Uh, we just wanted to just talk about that, reflect on that, think about that, pray, pray about that. So uh, the talk I had prepared, I don't know what the metaphor is, flush, bend, <coughs> shredded, and um, many of us probably uh, woke up in the night or saw on our phones or listened to it or watched the news. Uh, some of us were gripped by it. Uh, for some of us, uh, if, you, if you haven't heard the news, I'm sure most of us heard the news, uh, in, in Borough on, at London Bridge, uh, there, was a, there was an incident and uh, fatalities and uh, casualties. And so uh, uh, for some of us, we, we work, we work where that's happened. Uh, for some of us, Borough Market's a, a fantastic place to go and uh, one of our favourite places. So we can imagine what it's like. Uh, we can imagine ourselves being there. So we, uh, probably about half four this morning, I just felt, felt I should change my talk just to try to respond uh, to that. So uh, my apologies if I'm going to read my notes uh, more, than, more than normal. I have to have notes, otherwise I say things that tells me I should have said. <laughs> So let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for bringing uh, the people that you brought here today. And we, we pray for each one of us. We pray that we would be responsive to you. I pray whether we, whether we know you or not, whether we've ever thought about you or not, uh, we pray for these ne this next, uh, I'm going to attempt to say 25 minutes. We pray that... Uh, your spirit would, uh, would breathe on these words. Amen. Amen. Um, so what I felt God say today was just to, just to open up some scripture uh, during these troubling times in which we live. And for, for me, when I go through stuff where I think about fear or trouble, I tend to turn to the Psalms and I read the Psalms until I find... Uh, find a phrase or find a chapter that um, resonates. And I, I was thinking about this psalm, Psalm 46. I think the words are going to come up on the screen. Who knows? I think the words are going to come up on the screen. And, um, and so we're just going to read these words and hopefully draw in some, some things about what, uh, what we feel like God wants to say in this message. I haven't titled this message anything because I only wrote it um, five hours ago. So um, uh, you, can, you can tell me what, what, what it should be called. So Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. She will not fall, sorry. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted 
among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. And it was given to us in love. Uh, I guess maybe a title could be, what is the Christian response to fear? If we follow Jesus, what is our response to fear? Uh, you see, the Bible, it doesn't minimise evil. Uh, it doesn't say, be a nice person uh, and everyone will be nice to you. The Bible doesn't suggest this. If you believe and if you keep your nose clean, your life and the lives of your loved ones um, will never be threatened. Uh, here, the, the psalmist, first of all, uh, I think this is point number one. Uh, it's, the psalmist says, remember our God. Our God is our refuge. Uh, I was going to talk about politics today. It's probably a good thing. But, um, the Bible also warns us that putting our trust in people or politicians is, is dangerous. In Psalm 118, it says it's better to... to this whole theme of refuge is such an important theme. Um, I, I believe that the future shape of church is going to be one of a refuge. It's going to be a one where we, where we welcome people as a refuge. People who are lonely, people who, who have fear, people who are far from God and they just need a, need a refuge. Uh, the church in the UK is a place that welcomed refugees. And the future shape of church, I believe, in the UK is one where the refugees will be welcomed. Uh, Psalm 118, it's, it's not going to come up. It says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans or politicians. There, I said it. It's better to take refuge in the Lord to trust in princes, people in power. The best thing you can do is put your hope in, in Jesus. So what does it mean to have God as our refuge? Uh, as I said before, it certainly doesn't mean that, mean that Christians uh, can't get hurt. Uh, followers of Jesus, we live in the same world uh, with those that don't follow Christ. We eat the same food. Uh, we go into Borough Market, have those free cheese samples or, or those uh, amazing beers or uh, those free samples that I used to get on Friday, Friday afternoon at lunchtime. We, we drink the same beer as people who drank the beer last night, who didn't think what was going to happen to them happened. We live in the same neighbourhoods. Uh, we attend the same schools. Uh, and we experience the same threats, don't we? If we're a follower of Christ, we experience the same threats uh, that people do, that don't follow Christ, with economy, health, and terrorism, as everyone else does. Uh, uh, Christians... You're more likely to, if you're a Christian living around the world, you're more likely to suffer persecution than any other people group. Uh, it's hundreds of thousands of Christians every year are persecuted or die or martyr because of their, their faith. So being a Christian doesn't mean that we escape uh, all kinds of things. So finding God as our refuge cannot mean that this does not. That, 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 sorry, finding God as our refuge cannot mean and does not mean that God promises to keep every bit of harm away from us. But to have God as our refuge means that whatever comes our way, 
and this is the truth. If you follow Jesus, this is the truth. That nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul, in a, I think it's a, a, a Romans 8, uh, it says, who, who shall uh, Romans 8, 35, sorry. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Shall hardship? Shall persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Knife attacks? As it's written, and Paul goes on, for, the, for your sake we face death all day long. We are, uh, and then first verse 7. No. So those, will those things separate us from the love of Christ? No, Paul says. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is the truth. This is a great truth. I kind of, when I read this this morning, I, I got shivers. Because it said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. What Paul's saying is, it, it, it doesn't say that you as a follower of Christ will experience no trouble, no hardship, no persecution, etc. Uh, it doesn't say you will never be threatened by demons or something else. You'll never lose a job. You'll never uh, have hardship in your relationships or marriage. You'll never uh, have friends or family who are, who are dying. It doesn't say that. But what it does say, and I want to propose, what it does say is when you make God your refuge, when you turn to him rather than all the other pools, alcohol, drugs, sex, relationships, uh, your bank account, or even this week, the politicians promise, when you hear them say, a vote for me will make you feel more secure and stable. When you hear the politicians saying, you can trust me, if you vote, if you vote for me, all your troubles will go away. Jesus, the Bible's really clear, we're to put God as our, as our hope, our number one hope, and the only promise you can count on it, count on. Uh, is, is God will keep you in his love. Um, we all know what the great, for those of us who follow Jesus, and I'm talking to the followers of Jesus now, the, the Bible tells us that the greatest command is love. We're commanded to love God, and we can repeat this coming, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And we've been commanded by God to also then love our neighbours, love our enemies, love the terrorists. It's black and white. I've written it here, it's black and white. Um, <laughs> the great, even though the greatest commandment is to love, love God, love others, do you know what the most frequent command in Scripture is? <clears throat> so the greatest commandment is love, the most frequent command is be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Uh, it's almost one for every day. There are hundreds of scriptures, verses from Jesus across from the Old Testament to the New Testament. If you think about a thread that goes through the scripture, what's the number one commandment? It's don't be afraid. Be not afraid. And because God is our refuge and our strength, 
an ever-present help in times of trouble. We can obey that commandment that is said to us more than any other commandments. Be not afraid. So what's the, what's the, if you're a follower of Jesus, what's our response? Remember, God is our refuge. Remember, God is the place that we go to in love. Uh, be not afraid. And number four, remember our future. This is the fourth thing, and uh, I just want to spend a bit of time on this. Remember our future. Uh, the psalmist in, in, in verse 46, verse 8, I don't know whether you were able to put that back up. Verse, verse 8. Verse 8, I'll read it. It says, um, Come and see what the Lord has done. He makes the war cease. Thank you. Uh, he breaks the bow and he says, Be still and know I, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. It's almost like this cry that we have as human beings. Who is there that's going to help us? Who is there? Who can we put our trust in? And God replies, I will be exalted. It's me. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of, our, God of Jacob, Jacob is our fortress. So the scripture here is pointing ahead to a future coming age of the kingdom of God, where God will make all the wars cease. Follower of Jesus, you never have a reason to be afraid because a future uh, awaits you. A coming kingdom awaits you. In, uh, in John Wimber's book, and um, I, I dug it out this morning, in John, John Wimber's book, uh, it's called The Way In Is The Way On. I've got no idea why it's called that, but uh, it is called that. And he talks about this theologian called Oscar Kuhlman, and he was one of the first people to come up with this particular way of formatting, of uh, yeah, formulating, we live in the kingdom now, but it's still to come. We we have this kingdom of God here, but its fullness is, is coming. And some of us, uh, there's about a dozen, maybe 15 of us who are doing a, a module at the moment uh, with Vineyard on the king, uh, kingdom of God theology. And it's talking about, and we're learning all kinds of long words at the moment, like inaugurated eschatology, and other words. <laughs> and, and what it is, is the kingdom of God it's really a way of describing the rule of God. And John Wimber, I'm just, I'm just I'm quoting all of him at the moment. Uh, John Wimber, it's not a place where it's the realm where God is sovereign, where he's ruling, and particularly where Jesus is Lord. So this inaugurated eschatology is there was a moment in time when Jesus came and he brought in a new way of releasing and extending the kingdom of God. And so we see it in his life, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. And Jesus is, there was this moment in time when Jesus came and the kingdom of God broke out. A new way of uh, releasing the kingdom of heaven broke out through Jesus. And so that's, that's why we say the kingdom of God is present. But it's not all the way here yet. Because there's an anticipation that the kingdom will one day come in its fullness. And so we talk about uh, Jesus' earthly ministry being this anticipation, this inauguration of the kingdom. Because he's beginning to break the curse of sin, um, 
and he's beginning to cancel a curse. Um, sorry, he's beginning to cancel a curse of skit sin by healing uh, the sick, essentially, which was the result of the fall, or raising people from the dead, which was the curse of the fall. And yet, Jesus, in, in his ultimate victory, the ultimate kingdom, will only come when Jesus returns and has the final victory. And uh, this theologian, Coleman, he, he compares this, come, this kingdom now with this coming kingdom to, um, to the situation of the Allies in World War II, after D-Day. And it's the, this decisive battle when the, war, when the war was fought on Normandy, 6th of June, two days' time. Hmm. On the beaches of Normandy, it's marked as D-Day, that victory where the Allies, they, t they won. They won that battle, and it was called D-Day. However, the war continued. The war carried on. And it wasn't until months later, when, um, uh, when V-E-Day, Victory Europe, was, was finally completed. But in those two days, the D-Day and V-E-Day, there were many lives that were lost. There were still many battles, skirmishes that were won and lost. People, people died, people won, we had victory. <coughs> And uh, so this kind of clunky language of D-Day and V-E-Day describes us if you're a follower of Jesus. So for us as followers of Jesus, our V-E-Day is Easter Sunday. The day when Jesus conquered death. The day when he, he said, death has no sting on me. And then 40 days later, Pentecost Sunday, today, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday when the, when the Holy Spirit was released this moment in time, VE day. But we wait, don't we, for uh, some detail. We wait for VE uh, day with the second coming, the overall, overall coming. Which is why we pray. Jesus says, when you pray, say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we're at, we are anticipating what's already happened can happen today, but it's going to reach its fullness at, at the second coming. Uh, at about half five this morning, I decided to go to all the, all the fount of wisdom and knowledge for us in the 21st century. Wikipedia. <laughs> I was looking for um, fear, what to do, how to overcome fear. And so I typed it in. And, I, uh, and so I found this article about how to overcome, overcome the fear of death. Um, sadly for me, I discovered that Wikipedia didn't offer its readers the great help for overcoming the fears. And so I thought I'd let you in on what they told us. And it said, live, a, live life the way you're supposed to. Don't waste your time worrying about it. Instead, fill your day with, with as much joy as possible, which I quite like. Don't let things get you down. And this was the thing I, th I found interesting. Finally, just do anything that will take your mind off dying. <laughs> And here are some activities you could do. Swing dance. <laughs> skip, I'm quoting exactly. Swing dance. Skip rope. Get a tattoo. Fear of dying. Get a tattoo. Or, or take a French cooking class. Just do anything to help your mind get off the fact that one day you will die. That's what he said. That's what he said. Um, 
Livia Lyon by Wikipedia. Um, there's a difference between I want to propose. There's a difference between Wikipedia's answer to our fear of death and the answer that Jesus offers. In Jesus, we have a God who came to earth as a true and perfect King, and He chose to die on a cross to pay for my sins, your sins, all the things that we've done wrong. And He rose from the dead. We can make this claim. There's factual evidence to. Uh, to prove that there was a man called Jesus who, who lived a life. There's factual evidence to prove that he rose from the dead. And uh, this is where faith comes in. Because he offers us a choice to believe it or not. He offers us eternal life. Life in his presence forever. And everyone, and, any, ev and anyone and everyone who trusts in Christ and what he did for us. Uh, the Gospel of John, uh, I read this about 6 o'clock. The Gospel of John says this in, verse, in chapter 11. And Jesus was talking to a woman and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they will die. Uh, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked her the question, do you believe this? And I just want to propose, do you believe this? To the extent that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, whether you follow Jesus, whether you don't follow Jesus, whether you've never thought about following Jesus, to the extent that we believe in the resurrection and the life, and we believe that one day we will be raised from the dead with Jesus, and knowing that we have the answer to the universal fear of death, which is basically what it is. Last night, it taps into this fear of death. <clears throat> what if that was me? Um, and I, I want to propose, we can overcome the fear of death. But the fear of, and the fear of terrorism that has gripped so many of the hearts. So tomorrow when you go to work, it will grip so many people. And maybe in the room today, there are people here, suddenly you're gripped with some kind of fear. Um, the, the Christian calling, and again, this, as, a, as a pastor and a leader, I believe it's not our place to be political. It's not our place to tell you who you should vote for. Uh, I have my own thoughts. I will be voting for one party, but I will never pressurise anyone to, to vote a certain way. Uh, what I read in scripture is the Christian calling is not to shut up our country or our hearts off for those that are fleeing persecution. And it's not to carpet bomb a country until it... Remember those scenes? You carpet bomb a country until it glows, dark, glows in the dark. Um, we're, we're not to indiscriminately kill the innocent along with the guilty. Um, I believe our role as a church is to welcome the, as the God of the refuge for us we're to be a church that welcomes anyone. So anyone's welcome through our doors. Like this week I heard about a church that uh, if you were late, you weren't allowed in. The pastor wanted everyone to get there on time. So uh, half past ten, he shut the doors. And you couldn't get in. And you could only get in when the notices were on. So they would let the door open, and then people, like the 
the walk of shame. People would kind of come in. <laughs> we all want to do that. <laughs> um, Sandy Miller, uh, HTB, he, he founded HTB. And he said, church planting is simple. Church planting is simple. You open the doors and you invite the Holy Spirit. He said, it's really simple. We make it too complicated. Keep the doors open and ask that the Holy Spirit will come. And so that's what we do as our response. We just, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. We're called to, we're called to welcome people as if Jesus, as if we're welcoming Jesus himself. Uh, and then we go out, we show up, and then we go and demonstrate the kingdom of God among the people. So that's why we say, come as you are, encounter Jesus, and then let's go and help others encounter Jesus. It sounds really simple. I say it like that, it sounds really simple. Okay. Um, I want to interview someone. Uh, Ed, let's welcome Ed Hill. Uh, Ed, Ed's one of our small group leaders. Uh, he and Kat lead uh, one of our small groups. Yeah. And they're, they're awesome. Uh, tell us, Ed, uh, what will you be doing this time tomorrow? Um, gosh, so depends. So I work for a member of parliament, is what I do. So normally in Westminster, but obviously six weeks ago, stomping the streets, meeting people, going around the country. So if campaign is on, I'll be in the West Midlands this time. Mm. Mm. This time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, yeah. Um, and, and tell me, what are some of the challenges that you're currently facing? I, so just from a faith perspective, the fun thing about politics is how you don't compromise. So, how you are, uh, would you call it like a faithful presence in the way you're doing it? So, when you're meeting people, when you're having your meetings at work, uh, how you're representing Jesus there, that's the big challenge. Well, am I ducking those chances to share Jesus um, through evangelism or in any issues? Do I really believe that what the Bible is is good news and can speak into policy today? Um, and if I do, then the challenge is how do I speak that in a loving way? Mm. And um, if people here wanted to, wanted to get involved in politics, or they had an interest, or more than just Thursday, just putting their cross, what, would, how, what, what are some of the things they could do? There are lots of ways to do it. Um, I would encourage you to do so. A phrase I often use is, um, we're quite good in this culture at commentating, but we're not very good at participating. Mm. Um, so we kind of chuck stones from the outside rather than actually getting involved and getting messy. Um, so there are two ways I'd encourage you to do it. Number one would be, there are loads of organisations, there's Christians in politics, Christians in parliament, there's, within each party you've got the Conservative Christian Fellowship, Christians on the left, Lib Dem Christian Forum. Get involved with one of those and start sharing your ideas. Or write to your member of parliament. Uh, we get so many letters from Christians that are just, there's no love in what they're doing, they're just kind of complaining. Mm. How about trying to write to your member of parliament saying, love what you're trying to do, maybe I disagree with this, but just let me know I'm praying for you. Mm. Um, and this is kind of my thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd say, perhaps, is to try maybe day to join a political party of, of any sort that you see fit. Um, you won't find one that you agree with everything that they do. Um, that's part of the course. But 
get involved, get on the inside and try and see change that way. Amazing. That's great, thank you. And if there was one thing that we could pray for you this week, what would that be? Uh, I think that faithful presence thing, again, um, yeah, that would be the best thing. Can I just, uh, just on, can I say something about politics in general? Um, I think often we hear that it's like a dirty thing, that we shouldn't get involved with it. Um, one of my favourite theologians, a guy called Abraham Kuyper, who said that there's not a single square inch of this earth which Christ doesn't declare that is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we often miss that. Mm. Um, and politics is, what is it? It's about how we govern, how we protect the vulnerable, whether we go to war or not. Um, mm. The decisions we make that actually affect people. Um, and if we believe that it's good news, why wouldn't we want to be at the table and, and share that discussion? We might not be listened to, we'll probably be rejected, um, we'll probably have to stand down pretty quickly if we get to any position of leadership. Um, but that's all right. <laughs> we've got to be up for that. Um, we've, got to, we've got to believe it's actually good news. And everyone's got a world view. Um, and it's our job to show that our world view is actually good news. Um, so pray that as Christians involved in this and all of us, that we do get involved and we do preach good news in that way. Matt, would you would you come up? Yeah. Just give Matt Matt Morse round of applause. <laughs> it's like I'm a rose between two thorns. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us Matt, what will you be doing this time tomorrow? Um, I'm starting a new job tomorrow in the police. Um, so I was in uniform as a response officer down in Wimbledon. And I'm starting CID tomorrow. So investigative work, interviewing prisoners, etc. Yeah. Wow. And what are some of the challenges that you have face, faced? Um, it's a difficult place to be a Christian, police service. Um, there's a lot of broken people who work in the police. Um, probably part of the course when you work in the police is that you see a lot of nasty things and that affects you in diff- different ways for different people. Um, there's a lot of um, relationship problems in the police. Um, there's a lot of, it, it, it impacts your personal life massively. Um, so it's a difficult place to, to be a Christian and to be that light, but it's also a massive opportunity to do that. So, yeah. And tell us, for a police officer going to, who was there last night, what would be some of the emotions they're facing? Well, first of all, they're going to be absolutely shattered. Um, they would have worked, most of the people um, who responded to that um, would have been working a full later and they would have started at 2 o'clock. At quarter past 10, they would have been packing up their stuff ready to go home and they would have been told they've got to stay on. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are still working now. Um, some people that I know worked later and uh, worked through to about 6, 7 this morning and they'll be back in work at 2 again this afternoon. So, first of all, they're absolutely shattered. Um, from a physical perspective. Uh, on top of that, they might have seen horrific things, they might have done CPR on um, the, the wounded, the dead, potentially. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be going home, potentially, um, with just horrible, horrible memories that are really going to them. Um, they'll be in a physical state. I can't, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate I wasn't working, I guess. Um, yeah. And um, if there's one thing that we could pray for you this week, what would that be? Um, similar to anyway, that, that being that presence is, is a difficult environment in which to kind of um, shine Christ. But it's also because it's so, in a way, so dark, it's, the light shines so much more brightly. Um, so, yeah, just pray that I can be that positive influence in a, a kind of a, 
a world full of broken people that are just trying to help. That's what that's what we are, I guess. Give um, give my hand. What we'd love to do is uh, we're going to pray. If you're uh, involved in politics, if you're passionate about politics, or if you're involved in any kind of uh, statutory, whether it's police service or care, or you're a prison officer, you're caring for offenders, uh, working with criminals, would you stand up? Would you stand up? Because we'd, we'd love to pray for you. Passionate about politics, passionate about policing. Would you, would you stand up? One on the back. So, for the rest of us, would you just uh, pray for them? If you're, if you're near them, um, pray for Rianne. Rianne at the back, that'd be great. And um, well, maybe a couple of people could come up and pray for them. For them uh, and Ed as well, that'd be great. So we're just going to have the time to pray. If you're not praying for someone, just get into threes and fours and pray. Pray for our nation, pray for London, pray for uh, the weekend of politics, uh, pray for policing.